Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the channel. My name is John John the Wise, and today we got another cyberpunk video with you for you guys. We're going to be answering the community's questions about combat with James Hutt from Artalsorian Games. But before Hello. before we get into that, make sure you guys check the Discord link in the description below to be a part of our community. Make sure you guys follow me on social media. <clears throat> Excuse me, at John John the Wise on all social media, TikTok, Twitter, all that stuff. And then make sure you guys go on to my podcast, Tabletop Cyberpunk, where I talk more about Cyberpunk, our favorite game. And if you guys want to support me, patreon.com slash John John the Wise is the best way to support me. I greatly appreciate all the love and support. All right. We got a lot of questions. James, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, I flew in from Balance Town for a special <laughs> meeting. The mayor is here. The mayor. Ho, oh, let it be known throughout the town. You, you need a town crier, right? No mayor is nothing without a, a bell. Yeah, you need a bell. I used, have a, I used to have a big red phone. You need over a here. phone. I still do, but it's over there and I'm not getting up. You need a sash. Um, you need a top hat. I mean, I have a sash and a top hat. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do have the sash and the top hat. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, we, we're getting things, we're going through the list slowly. All right, let's get straight into it, James. Uh, James and I looked at these questions beforehand. I collected from the community. There's a lot of repeat questions out there. So if some of you out there are like, hey, you didn't answer my question, there's a reason why I, we couldn't answer your question that I won't get into. But also because, um, you know, I, I got a bunch of questions. I think we'll cover most of the, the stuff. If there's more, Make sure you guys go to Artelsorian's website and ask the mayor himself directly. Uh, he does a blog post every week. Is it every week or two weeks? Um, it's it's when we can get to it. It's every other week. It's every other other week sometimes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times we got cool stuff to talk about in other places like uh, our hot April Fool's uh, Day project. That was so good. It was amazing. I already The community is oh, making pre-gens. Check, check out that. Check out that Elf Lines Online content. Yeah, dude, the hottest MMO in uh, in the dark future. <laughs> True. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, the first question I want to ask you, James, before we start talking about combat is uh, you came from Cyberpunk 2020's combat system, had to make a brand new combat system with Cyberpunk Red. So what were the biggest challenges and the hardest parts about balancing combat coming from 2020 to Red? So um, I think the hardest challenge, um, well, first off, I didn't make a wholly brand new system. I had to update the system to a modern standard. Um, so I had some, step one, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. So I had it easier than a lot of other people do. Um, but step two, that's also great expectations. So there was a lot of, uh, lot of expectations on getting that right. But uh, you let it fuel you. And you move forward. Hardest part mechanically um, is bringing down all that math. Because in 2020, um, the game blew up. Blew up. Crazy blew up. And uh, they had to put a bunch of expansion content out. And those numbers got pretty inflated. So on this time, I got to uh, take it and say, I'm going to make sure that the math does not rise above this amount. And I'm going to just pinch everything down. Yeah, like make a foundation. Um, and a foundation for future while I supplements. was doing that, while I was doing that, I also wanted to make it fast and easy to run and easy to play, and something that you know, despite it looking really crunchy, when you when you look at it, I want it to be intuitively crunchy enough so that if you play it three times, you'll know how to play, and eventually you may not need anything except the range table. You're never going to not need the range table. Um, that's non-memorizable. I still use the range table. Don't yeah. worry if you still use the range table. GM screen is coming, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's on the way, and it's hot. Yeah. It, I already put in my pre-order, so there's that. Okay, so now let's get straight into the second question, which really sparked this whole meeting, um, which thank you, by the way. I forgot to say thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're, all, you're always welcome, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. The community appreciates it. So let's get straight. And you've always been, let, let me just put it on the record, ladies and gentlemen. James has never shied away from any questions from the community and he will continue to not shy away. So let's get straight into it. Auto fire is the main thing that we wanted to talk about. So we let's were, talk. you and I were talking a little bit off air about it. And uh, it's a discussion that I saw within the community People uh, were trying to understand exactly what 
what made auto fire a times two skill. Uh, we know why it is something that needs to be balanced, especially if you came from 2020. You know exactly why it was too deadly in 2020. And in red, uh, it's a times two skill. And in practice, people have said that you know it's harder to hit a critical injury with 2d6 than it is 4 or 5d6 with some other weapons. And um, it's, it's a steep price to pay for a times two skill. So what are the benefits of auto fire? What can you tell us about the design behind it? Okay, so, um, so the reason why it's a times two skill is so that you have to have something, you have to focus your build to make the best use out of it. Um, all of the other times two skills follow the pattern of if I have this skill, that means I'm a character who does this. It's almost a defining trait of your character. Like paramedic, um, for example. If your character has paramedic, you kind of feel like a paramedic. Um, if you have auto fire, um, one, it's access to two-handed weapons. It's access to powerful um, auto fire weapons that aren't, you know, base ones. Um, like, I believe the minigun. Um, and... Um, Three, you also get access to SMGs and the highest power on those SMGs. Um, a lot of what I see in the community is people running cool statistical models. And I shall say it on the record again. If you're using cool statistical models, you are cool. Everyone that uses statistical models is the coolest person in the room at any given time. Um, you heard it here, folks. Anydice.com. Um, if you're the guy that made that, please email me. <laughs> I'll print it out. Please sign a copy of their webpage. I don't know how you do it, but I want it. Um, my point being, auto fire is not about it, it operates a little differently than you're used to. It's not a it's big investment because you get a lot of stuff out of it. If you're just using auto fire to use SMGs, you may be underutilizing your own skills. Um so um auto fire picture auto fire is about the swingy damage on the outsides it's not about the middle average in the middle um the first time you hit a full damage uh, a full four uh, above the auto fire dv um and then you roll two sixes you will just delete someone um you will delete someone uh like they have um like you have like a vorpal sword level of deletion um, it is some of the highest consistent swing damage, um, and you will be hitting it more often on net in a in that specific way. <laughs> There's a lot of caveats here, yeah. Uh, but um, more than if you wanted to, okay, I'm just going to single shot headshot people, which is a different type of swing um, for a different type of damage. Um, it's meant to fill in a gap. In between, I'm just gonna I'm just going to point at your head with my gun, uh, and um, I'm going to fire the super easy. I'm gonna hit you probably because I have a good skill and I'm not gonna target. Uh, meaning, I'm shooting for center of mass chest. Um, it provides a uh, character with a sort of one stop shop. If you have auto fire and you want to spec into auto fire. You don't need shoulder arms. You don't need hand gun. Um, you can treat auto fire like it's your only damage skill. Um, and uh, since it provides both two-handed and single-handed uh, single uh, modes of combat, it even provides concealable modes of combat through the SMG. A lot of people are sleeping on the concealable SMG that you can pull out with auto fire. Um, that's, that's important in uh, situations where concealability is important to you. It's the highest concealable damage as well. Um, there are a lot of reasons to use auto fire, but um, if you want that consistent average high damage, maybe look at playing a solo, step one. Um, two, um, maybe look at um, doing single shot head targeting. That might be more your speed. Yeah. Um, auto fire is about swinginess. It's about a middle range um, to short range uh, engagement. 
and uh, it's uh, finally, finally, um, it's meant to somewhat, and I haven't seen a lot of this in comments, it's meant to be used with luck. To early game, you're using more luck to hit those high numbers. Um, and you can just sprinkle in a luck point here or there. You don't need to go full. I use all eight points of my luck. Um, I yeah. spec for luck. Boom. Um, yeah, you were you were actually uh, so, telling me you were telling me um, you said one thing that it it really made sense to me is it's it's supposed to be like a high ceiling damage dealing thing that's wild and unpredictable, and that's why it has this insane range of you know doing uh two times four damage which is eight to all the way like 50 plus right with the uh critical injury and mm -hmm. th that's the whole idea of it is it's so wild and crazy that if you actually want to do consistent average damage you wouldn't auto fire you would use a single shot that's more calculated john wick doesn't auto fire like you said <laughs> yes, I, John Wick does not auto fire. John Wick is a solo with enough points to do. Um, I just point at your head. Yeah, um, and he uses pistols uh, because they're better in close range. There um, you go. At, at least in the fantasy of John Wick, which is admittedly kind of the fantasy of cyberpunk too. I'm it's not a lie. It's hundred percent. It's a solo it's cyberpunk. Very, very, very the same. If only we got a similar actor. Um. Across the franchises. Oh, uh, yeah. I went, uh, If only we could get him to do something in the cyberpunk universe. He's, he's too cool for us. Though. I think so, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So what about... Um, I'm not going to ask you about three-round burst. You said now it has become auto-fire. We needed a new name. Uh, we, did, we wanted to do a bunch of guns, and we didn't just want to... We wanted to combine a lot of ideas into a cool swingy damage system. Instead of sticking to three round burst, yeah. three round burst in the jumpstart kit is busted. It's broken. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it was meant as a hey, here's a way to preserve the power of the assault rifle, and we'll talk about the power of the assault rifle later because sure. it is a powerful weapon. Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely that's exactly <sighs> what it is. So and I fired one. I fired one in at Utah. At oh. Utah, I fired one. I think I fired a scar, and it was like, wow, this is Oof. this is something. Some, <laughs> yeah, um, that's a nice assault rifle too. Uh, tell us about suppressive fire. Then. Suppressive fire is uh, another alternate firing mode for automatic weapons. Um, what, in your opinion, is the best application for it? What's like the ideal situation for using suppressive fire? I would say the ideal situation for suppressing fire is um, just the other benefit. This is the one I forgot on auto fire is you get this cool damage mode and you get a tactical tool. Um, basically all the other weapon skills, you just get weapon. You just get a weapon that you're good at and damage and a good range band that you're good at. Um, with auto fire, you get all these toys. So it's gotta be two costs. Suppressive fire is for tactical players that enjoy tactical combat. Um, it's for keeping people in your team's good range bands. Number one, um, it's for stopping melee fighters from reaching your uh, from reaching your guys. Um, and three, if they're in the open in a field, it's to, it's how in the heck are um, it's to stop people from doing the the Wonder Woman running across no man's land. Uh, toward you like i have no way of telling this person to turn around and yet i'm holding a gun yeah um it solves it solves that problem um however if they do there is a skill for i don't care about your suppressive fire um and it's a very good skill for doing that and uh i i really do recommend that gms use it um because if you don't use it uh move is way less useful um Move is, honestly, if you're not playing on a map, uh, maybe I'd take less move in your campaign. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to, you yeah, know what I mean? It's tough with theater of the mind. The degenerate power gamer, maybe I'd lower my move just a little bit Yeah. put it in luck. Yeah, like, wait, we're playing um, theater of the mind? Game. <laughs> yeah. I can use three move. 
What's the minimum? Two? That's funny. The okay. minimum is two. But I would never put two because then that would ring an alarm bell that I'm I'm power gaming. And that when you're power gaming, you gotta do it quietly. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much for answering that those questions about autofire. I was very curious about it too. Now I have a better understanding. Let's uh, go on to the next question. People have asked if there's a possibility of other damage dice getting introduced, like a D10 or a D3, uh, or, you know, the blasphemous uh, D8s, 4s, and 20s. Um, you know, we really, really love the simplicity of D10s and D6s. So I would say if we ever do it, it's probably a D10. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't want to. Yeah, I like my dice being six sided for damage and uh 10 sided uh for uh everything else yeah and it, it would be tough uh, to kind of uh calculate critical injury with the d10 right yes yes plus we did kind of wed that um yeah so we may be a little married to it and i like the curve the d6s provide and it provides a um if you play a lot of cyberpunk with d6s for damage you get a feel for the curve oh wow that was actually pretty good that was average yeah you know you get a feel for it. i love the fact that i could have five dice in my pocket maybe six one d10 five d6 and i'm golden i could play in the park i could play in a back alley <laughs> right. you could you could take three of those you start playing some CeeLo. yeah Let's do whatever you like so CeeLo. okay uh let's move on to close targets hard to hit with assault rifles Uh, what's the idea behind that design okay so um in really close up uh pistols are the way to go in that o to six range band um really close engagements handguns are better um it's still pretty unwieldy to move a long gun around. And you got to remember that you're not shooting at targets. Um, you're shooting at people that don't want to be shot. Um, so it's as much as I can. Yeah, I can hit a guy two meters away. What do you mean? And I have to move and aim and target and the person doesn't want to get shot. And uh, they're. Even if they go, <laughs> even if they can't dodge bullets. They're probably trying to make it difficult for you. Yeah. Don't know why that was funny for me. Um, <laughs> you just like people not wanting anyway, to get shot? Uh, yeah. I, that sounds pretty twisted. When you <laughs> it's, hey, man. It's a dark future, all right? We're having fun here. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, um, okay. From a game balance perspective, that's where pistols are good. That's why you want a sidearm, because... Your almighty assault rifle is almighty at a distance. And the medium distance is still almighty. But in that medium distance, SMGs are going to squeak by you a little bit. Um, because they're closer up. And then you start getting really close, and you maybe you wish you had a shotgun. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because shotguns are the assault rifles of the close range, if you think about it. So if you don't like this problem that you're having with your assault rifle not being good up close, you can put an underbarrel shotgun. Ooh. Oh man, and that's what that's for. That's nuts. Okay, sounds good. Let's go. let's move on to vehicle combat. Uh, let's talk about ramming. Uh, in the community, people have been asking why they the why does the vehicle take sixty six damage, and what is the design behind that, and the design behind getting the critical injury of whiplash. Some have said that it feels like it's a little bit of a steep price to pay for something that would be fun to do. So what kind of insight so, can you give us on that? Um, so whenever you hit something that you're considered to be ramming, like if you hit another car, that car is also hitting your car. Um, you're, you're doing this at speed, and you're doing this for the explicit purpose of damage. Um, if you're trying to do like, a, a, like maybe a, a maneuver in your car, like I want to this guy in the wheel i forget what that's called but i've watched videos it's a police thing oh the the that might be a vehicle maneuver that might be a vehicle maneuver instead if you're doing ramming you're you've put your foot down and you're going hard into them 
mm-hmm. as hard as you can. And if you don't have a combat plow, which you don't get, you know, when you're the rammer instead of the rammy, um, you uh, you don't get the damage when you have a combat plow. So if you want to do this, you can put a combat plow on and be just fine. This is, I don't have a combat plow and I'm going full speed in another car. Um, honestly, if you're going full speed at anything, it's going to screw up your car. Um, 66 damage sounds like a lot, but cars have a lot of health. Um, I mean, if you do this on a motorcycle, what do you think is going to happen to the motorcycle? Uh, if the thing that you think is going to happen to motorcycle is going to happen to the motorcycle. Um, that's not really what they're for, but you can still put a plow on them, I think. Yeah, it'd Actually, be fun. I'm not sure. <laughs> or a tech can. Even if I'm wrong, a tech can do it. Um, my point being, uh, it's to disincentivize you from crashing your car into things. Um, the fact that you get whiplash, if uh, it's only five damage and the critical injury doesn't actually do anything other than lower your death save until you get it treated, which isn't that hard if you've got a med tech. Um, ramming is supposed to be a special thing that you do every once in a while, not a this is a costless action I can do all the time. Mm. Um, and even with a combat plow, it doesn't make all ramming safe because if you get rammed, your plow isn't going to help you. Your plow only helps when you're the aggressor. Yeah. Anyway, that's how plowing works. Um, only five damage direct to the uh, direct to the um, direct to your HP because of the bonus damage for the crit injury. Um, your car takes the brunt of the assault, but if you played your cards right, that might not be your car you're driving. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, you did make Who cares a cares good... about their car exactly. <laughs> And you made a good point. You said that uh, you only get the critical injury once. You don't re- you don't get it again. So you know if you decide that you want to go on a ramming spree, you'll get five HP down, and then your vehicle will take a battering. Hopefully, you rolled low on those sixty six, and you can keep doing it. But it's not sustainable. It's also kind of easy to dodge a moving car coming at you because it's easy to see coming. And uh, dodging is more than just dodging. Yeah. Also, the you're not dodging the car in place like Neo, you're <laughs> um, you're moving out of the way. There's also a little uh, rule that says uh, the person that you run over could end up on top of the car if they choose to. Mm-hmm. So that's they can, that's they can thing. go up on the hood. Yeah. That's to that's to preserve. Like if players get hit, they get that uh, agency of okay, I've been hit by a car. My GM already hit me with a car. <laughs> um, now, now I get to be on the car and pull up my shotgun, and fire into the windshield. You know what? I'm you're you're right. I need to hit my players with cars more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Let's get on to the next question. Uh, let's talk about demolitions. This is something that I've been curious about too. Uh, first of all, well, I guess we should ask, how do we use the skill first? And then we'll ask the other question. So it's a times two skill. And uh, can you give us insight on why it's so powerful? So it's so powerful um, because the type of player that wants to use it is the type of player that wants to say, I want to rig the whole building with explosives. And that's a massive story power. Mm. Um, it's a story power skill um, in that, uh, yeah, you're probably going to be rigging a lot of grenades or you're going to be rigging some C4 or, or something like that, plastic explosive-wise. Um, rigging it around the house and you know where to put it. So you your role is sort of like how best to do this, you know, so that I make this building go down. To maximize damage, basically. Um, um, to maximize damage to the building, um, we we leave it open because we realize that blowing up large structures, the only thing we have like that is the cover mechanic, which we can work into grenades because they're finite and specific in their explosion patterns. Demolition is for people who look at grenades and go, it's not enough. I want more. Um, I would... Um, I would say that uh, it's for. Uh, it could also be for defusing um, some bombs. Um, that might be an exciting way to do it. Um, 
but it is a two cost skill that is expensive um, because it is it can be abused by a smart player. Oh. Um, it is one of those ones that is, uh, and you can build a whole character around being the guy that uses the explosives in cool ways. Um, it's kind of like a um, a story power skill attached to a damage skill, because really throwing grenades is athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you can build a combat skill uh, character that just uses explosives and use that as your two cost skill to get your story points where you're um, setting those traps and stuff. Yeah, okay. So it's because of the outside-of-the-box thinking with demolitions mm-hmm. that it can be so powerful. That's why it's a times two skill. Yes. Got it. And um, uh, this was an interesting question. How much damage do non-traditional explosions cause, like cars that blow up, propane tanks, landmines? So the quick version is, um, most every time we do that in a scream sheet, we say, as a grenade. Um, if it's got a bunch of shrapnel it's throwing around, maybe it's a fragmentation grenade. Um, or it's an expansive grenade or something, if you want it to be critically injury. Um, otherwise, I would consider uh, maybe a rocket in terms of the damage. But we really only have so many bits of damage that you can put on it. I would say a small explosion would be a grenade. Medium explosion would be a rocket. If you're going above that, it better be cool. Okay. So basically... Better, better be able to see it coming and don't use it as a pit, like a landmine. That would be a dick move. Okay. So 6d6 is basically what it's going to be. In most of the screen sheets... When an explosion happens, we say 66. Gotcha. Okay. And then if there's anything special about it, it's up to GM discretion. Uh, and, you know. The question is very open-ended. Non-traditional explosive. I don't know what you mean by non-traditional explosive. Yeah. Do you mean a gas grenade going off? Do you mean a chemical weapon blowing up in the middle of a city? Do you mean a nuclear bomb? Um, I don't know what you mean. Uh, and... Uh, the GM is an incredibly powerful champion of the rules yeah. that uh, I cannot fully control. I can only assist. <laughs> and only ask them not to break the game. <laughs> All right, let's move on to holding actions. This was uh, one of the biggest things that uh, was like an epiphany moment when Jay Gray told me about it. Uh, the first video I made was on combat because of something like this. So why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on how important holding actions can be tactically in a combat situation. So holding an action is a tactical maneuver, basically. Um, that is That says, I would have gone already, but I'm waiting. Um, it's sort of the privilege of those higher in the initiative queue to say, this initiative queue, nah, I didn't need it anyways. I wanted to be here. Or, um, uh, but I wanted to react to him. Um, if you're lower in the initiative queue, you're kind of the slow guy this time. And uh, you have to change your gameplay, maybe, because of that. You can't be the person that reacts. Well, you get to be the person that naturally reacts to other people. Um, you don't get to be the, I hold my action to shoot him when he goes to shoot. Um Anyway, um, holding an action, you hold an action until later in the round. Um, a specific time, you can pick a specific time, or you can pick a specific trigger that occurs. Um, and when that thing happens, you can either choose to do the thing you were going to do or lose it. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Um, it, has, uh, it has some side effects due to its simplicity, but I like those side effects, such as it makes being in the bottom of the Initiative queue, having low initiative in a combat should be tactically bad. Uh, and uh, it makes being high in the initiative queue tactically good um, because I get to be more reactive than other people, or I can be reactive earlier or with more forethought yeah. than other people. So if you're. you're... Uh, initiative has always been good, though, in every TRPG, and here is no different. 
Yeah, so if you're on the bottom of the initiative order, like you told me off air, that um, you can't hold your action past another round. You can't, like, carry it over. And the reason is, if you're on the bottom of the initiative order, you're on your back foot. Everybody else saw whatever was going on and reacted quick enough. And these are quick, violent three-second rounds. It's hard for you to catch up. It's like a cascading effect of not being able to catch up every round because you're on the bottom of the initiative order, right? I, I will say that that's, that's a, mostly a feeling of I'm, I'm on the back foot. Gameplay-wise, it will not probably change the outcome of your combat mm-hmm. unless you die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little bit of a change, but you know. It, it, I mean, well, think about it this way. It's a, it's, it, the amount of effect is pretty neutral. It's really good to be first. And it's about a medium to be second and third. It's very bad to be last, but it's only very bad to be last and then lead. And if it's very bad to be last and then that leads to your death, that outcome doesn't happen that much, but it is an outcome that could happen. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. Um, if you're play us, this is, this is again, this is going to be a video about if you are watching this video, you might want to play a solo. Um, <laughs> Solos have a very specific skill that say, hey, a combat is starting. I want to spend points to be better at initiative so that I can be more tactical this time. Yeah. Um, it sort of gives more power to the solo as well to have it suck to be bottom of the initiative queue by making it cooler to be at the top of the initiative queue. Yeah, 100%. Okay, anyway. uh, here's a fun one. Um, combat animals using animal handling skill. Can you give us advice on how to do something like that? My advice, um, that lazy GM advice, uh, GM, that you want is um, take one of the boosters, uh, one of the one of the like low level mooks that have no business doing anything but melee. Take them and just make them into an animal, like a bear or a lion. They're an animal now. Angry weasel. Attack chicken. Um, something, something. Attack chicken. Anything yeah. you desire. Yeah. Um, if you want to be specific in how they're an animal, welcome to the homebrew community. Um, yep. You know we support you. Uh, you're awesome. Do that. Um, and if you want official rules on these things, I'm afraid you may have to wait. Um. Hope springs eternal. Yeah. Leopard printed chrome. That's the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody loved, everybody loved, um, all of the, uh, cyber animals and cyber pets. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. In the previous chromes, we would be fools to not return to it eventually. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, let's be like thinking that we aren't eventually going to get to full borks. Yeah, of course. I that that, I didn't good. I didn't add that question because I knew like, come on, dude, full borgs are gonna happen. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about uh, armor jack season for all things. Yeah, exactly. Light armor jack. It is the king of uh, character creation. Everybody I've ever seen play cyberpunk takes the light armor jack because it is the highest SP armor uh, without any negatives, uh, without incurring negatives. So what can you tell us about having something like that and then having all these other options that don't seem as uh, enticing? What, what are we missing? So um, I would say Light Armor Jack is a great armor. It's designed to be the best you can get without getting negatives. Um, in a system that has negatives, there will always be an armor that is the best you can get without negatives. That's sort of the role that it fills. Um, the armors below Light Armor Jack are primarily for it's cheaper and almost just as good. Maybe. Um, if you don't think you're going to get shot a lot. Um, maybe. But uh, we all know everybody wears Light Armor Jack and that's, they just the water goes like a duck on their back and they're fine. Yeah. Um, medium armor jack and heavy armor jack, that's sort of like, I look at it and go, yeah, it's not as openly good, but 
maybe I could build a character around it. Um, think about it this way. At minus two, that's only 20% less of a accuracy. If you're already hitting, if you're not building a character that's trying to hit headshots all the time, maybe you want to build a defensive character that's okay hitting those single shots. Because those single shots are pretty easy to hit if you're combat invested. Mm -hmm. So maybe after you're combat invested, you go, maybe I want armor instead. Maybe I want more survivability. Because Light Armor Jack is great at stopping pistols. Doesn't stop assault rifles. Nothing stops assault rifles like heavy armor jack. I have not seen a lot of people abuse heavy armor jack, specifically heavy armor jack body, and then wear something else on the head because heavy armor jack body is already expensive enough. Yeah. Um, and you can you can just like ignore a lot of combat in a heavy armor jack suit because of the way damage works and because it's built on that curve. Because we only use d sixes for dice, higher. Armors have less numerical up, um, but uh, you know, two d six damage as an average of seven. If you start going on anydice.com, um, <laughs> you'll uh, and putting in different amounts of d sixes, you'll you'll start going. Wait, that that fifteen is actually a lot. That fifteen is a ton. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, even in even know. in practice, uh, because the players have SP eleven. I'm the GM. I got to make bad guys i learned really quick that sp11 if i don't have the right kind of weapons and the right kind of opposition to go against that then they're just going to be walking around not getting hurt at all you know just pea shooter style things are happening so um sp11 is sort of in this game tuned to the math the idea of um, think about a, a world where people have handguns on them all the time um, and they're, uh, and you want to wear something that will stop pistol fire, you'd buy a light armor jack. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, if you're like, I'm going into a war zone, or I know I will encounter heavy resistance, and it doesn't matter if I'm going a little slower, if they can't kill me. Yeah. Um, you want to go on those higher levels of uh, the heavy, uh, the heavy armors. Um, actually, that cheap. It's like five hundred bucks, right? For a heavy armor body, flak, uh, flak body. I can look it up. I know flak is supposed to be cheap. Is supposed to be the accessible entry level stuff. Heavy armor is also supposed to be expensive um, because it's sort of like an answer to expensive weapons, so it should also be expensive. Uh, heavy armor is. Are we going Metal Gear or heavy armor, Jack? Uh, flak. Uh, the flak is five hundred. Um, flak is five hundred for what SP? It's fifteen yeah. SP, and it's minus four to reflex, dex, and move. It's a pretty steep price. Oh, but, I know. But minus for four, SP fifteen, it's a pretty steep price. But you're getting SP fifteen for only five hundred dollars. That's the fixer can buy you that at level one. You can get that character creation easy. And then you can maybe get some luck. Yeah. If you get a nicer gun, and then, then, then it's only a three. Some synth coke. A little synth coke, a little coke action. <laughs> Do that, you can score. That's it. Um. Anyway, drugs are bad, kids. Yeah, they are totally bad. Um, in Cyberpunk, they can be good, but in real life, they're really bad. And even in Cyberpunk, they're bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad in Cyberpunk, too, unless you're, you're, you you spec uh, a character that is going to take drugs. <laughs> okay, let's move on uh, to the next question. Is there a penalty for shooting someone else that is engaged in close combat? So they're not in close combat with you. They're in close combat somewhere else with one of your allies, and I want to shoot them. Currently, rules as written, there is no penalty. It's not. It doesn't appear in the negative modifiers chart that is within the book as well. And uh, I guess uh, a lot of questions that I've seen in the community is about attacks of opportunity as well, not being present within combat. What can you tell us about all that? So um, being in close combat in this game is a lot more about quick actions. 
Um, your reaction is sort of your turn. Um, Tax of Opportunity makes a lot more sense in a game that's melee focused. This is a game with guns. Um, honestly, the Attack of Opportunity is the hold action for I hold for him coming out of cover. Um, you have to prepare for that. Um, also, not every game needs attacks of opportunity. Um, bogs down gameplay. Uh, if I have to, every time I move out of a square, I can't be a John Wick assassin if I'm taking an attack of opportunity from every guy I'm running past that I stab with a pencil. It's definitely not cool. It's not cool. Yeah. It slows down gameplay. Um, if you want to add them in, go ahead. Or once you buy the book, it's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, I don't know what to say to you, man. Don't fire our books. <laughs> yeah, don't um, do that. You wouldn't download a car. <laughs> <laughs> the what about uh, the penalty for shooting someone in close combat? The penalty. So in close combat, there is no penalty for shooting someone. Um, not by raw. Um, if you want to make a shot harder. It should be because of an external factor that isn't part of like shooting something that is hard to shoot at is part of a shooting skill that's part of the skill you've learned mm. um, sure if, but like doing that in smoke that's not part of your training shooting through smoke is not part of your training um blinding, blinding lights are blaring in the room that's where you start using the GM tool of penalties um, and they are a tool for GMs. So if you want to do it, if you want to put a new penalty in that is not strictly rules as written, go right ahead. I will say that um, the more penalties you put into a combat that are not directly relevant to the scene, like the room is filling with smoke, so everybody gets penalties, or mm. are visited on one player in particular, that starts to get into a that's a dodgy GM situation. Um, got to be really fair with those penalties yeah so if you do do them remember which ones you use and make them consistent yeah that is a good point because uh i've done that also, before every penalty every penalty you add is a minus that you is another math equation you're going to have to do so yeah sometimes it's better to just not penalize and then go to the next turn and then have even more fun yeah yeah i've been in that situation where my players are like wait you're not going to give me a bonus for this thing because you gave me a bonus last time when it was like this and i'm like uh i don't even remember why i gave you the bonus i don't know what happened and then i get talked into giving the bonus on the spot you know what i mean oh man be strong be strong all right i'll remember you james i'll keep you in the locket with your picture and a heart and i'll just hold on to that locket (laughs) okay james how far can you throw someone uh so the throw action in the game for throwing people um, is part of our grab core. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's for throwing people down to the ground like a judo throw. So that's a little confusing, maybe. In terms of throwing a person, um, GM Fiat. Um, I think it would be a cool way to do the shove action. Mm. Uh, sort of quote-unquote shove. Um, you could retheme your throw like I'm throwing you over there. And if you used your movement, then it would be kind of the same as you walking them there, putting them down, and then walking back, yeah. which is kind of something you could do anyways. Um, because if you're in control of that grapple, you can move them anywhere you want. You have complete control of their movement. They move with you. So who's to say you couldn't move them? And then if you wanted to damage them, maybe do the throw action and then move back and then say to my GM, okay, but I threw him. Gotcha. So, and then he hit the wall, and that's what caused the damage. Or, say, I didn't want. I just wanted to push him against the wall a little far, little, little, little throw. Yeah. Not a throw you down. Um, maybe you do the movement. You put him. You drop him. Move back, and play it like that. It is all of a. This is more of a scene thing. Like, I want to throw a person. In terms of how far can I throw this person, we don't have a chart for that because that's a really specific thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a crunchy, uh, crunchy you know, thing. That... In their height and weight, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
are you throwing them underhand or overhand? Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I wanted to do something else this April Fools. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that would be a great chart for April Fools next year, <laughs> or for uh, martial we'll arts. Say, if you are in a mech suit, if you are in a mech suit, you can throw someone as far as you could throw a grenade. I'll give you that one. Okay. You can just have that. There you go. All right, you heard it from the designer himself. There you go. Okay, uh, reflex yeah. eight eight plus rules as written. You can evade bullets, evade gunfire. I've heard it argued every which way throughout the community. I used to be against it. Now I'm with it. I hear some people saying, like, I only let people dodge bullets if they have cyberware and Sandevistan and uh, all this. So what's the official uh, word on dodging? Is it dodging bullets, evading gunfire? What do you What do you say about that? So... The answer to this question is if you're cool enough to be able to do this, you get to say it's whatever you want, just as long as you follow the rules. Um, if that if you're reacting to the, the gun being pointed at you and dodging before they can even pull the trigger, and that's how you're dodging, go ahead. If you're Neo from the Matrix, you go right ahead. Just as long as you follow the same rules as the other guy who's dodging the other way yeah. um, in his head. Because it's all about making a communal story. Yeah. Um, dodging the the bullet dodging thing is supposed to feel more visceral because it has that feel of in melee combat where you're rolling and they're rolling, and um, there's no two you know, there's no um, two shakes about it. You guys are directly in combat. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I one reason I love bullet dodging in this game. Is because uh, just firing at an uh, just firing at a range table, I can feel impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the movie magic of dodging bullets is because gunplay is impersonal, mm-hmm. it's impersonal, freakish, and deadly, and you know, probably inhuman. Yeah. But uh, it uh, it's a way of bringing the humanity of the the action hero into it. This is a game about action drenched in simulationism of course i also like the uh, the fact it's, that it's also a, about being john wick which dude that's that's that cool simula- that's exactly crunch. what it is <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta you know you gotta play that line which keanu reeves are you today which, <laughs> which keanu reeves I, i'm bill and ted keanu reeves today. i'm speed one that uh, speed that's that's the good one <laughs> um what I was gonna see, I was gonna say something and then I lost it. What was I gonna say about dodging bullets? I lost it. Who cares? We're moving on. All right. Um, dual wielding benefits. We talked a little bit. Let's just zoom through this one really quickly. The best benefits from uh, what I can tell. I wanted to add this here just so people, you know, can mm-hmm. can come to it. But basically, you can have two different one-handed weapons. You can have a melee weapon. You can have a pistol. You can have an exotic weapon and another exotic weapon. You can have you can special have an exotic weapon and a normal weapon. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't want to use your exotic weapon. You know, maybe you don't want to use the shrieker every turn, but you gotta have it on you. Yeah, and then this pistol has incendiary ammo. This pistol has AP ammo, and that's why there's a benefit to it. You don't get an extra rate of fire. You don't do extra damage. Uh, the benefit that you get is that you have more options and and putting your weapon away costs an action so you avoid doing that as well you have the other weapon already in hand you can have the uh, the super hot combo of uh, very heavy pistol and SMG ooh yeah that is nice okay yeah that's right then you can do auto fire and then you can mm-hmm. do, crack some real shots I love that awesome okay. pressing fire Put them in the right range, and then very heavy pistol aim shot them. Yep, exactly. Uh, so let's talk about strength, giving bonuses to melee combat. Rules as written, there is no special bonus for having a high does, body or anything it, like that. It just doesn't happen in RAW. Yeah. So um, It adds something called additive math, uh, which gotcha. we stripped from this edition to make it easier to play, and you'll notice it when you play it without it. Mm-hmm. Game goes fast. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, the old there is a benefit to having a high body stat if you take martial arts, though. 
Yes, uh, there's also a benefit to having a higher body stat if you are using brawling or if you're choking someone or if you're throwing someone. We have this idea, but I sort of built the idea into other systems rather than having it directly in the damage statistic. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you get access to higher damage dice, the bigger body you have. Yeah. For yeah. martial arts and for brawling. And uh, when you're choking someone, you deal your brawling stat directly to them to their HP and damage. Choking people is actually really good. Yeah, it's straight to their HP. It's really good. And isn't it after two rounds they go unconscious or something? Three. Three rounds. Three okay. specifically so you can do that like one, two, oh, yeah. three. They're out. That's why I did three. Well done. It's easier. That's funny how some of those, it's like, did he do like percentage math? Did he, do, it's like, nope. It was, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Partially on that, where uh, we've always used uh, our for our range tables, we've always used firearm statistics. Um, but then there's a healthy smattering of I need to, I need something to I need it to go fast. I need to streamline it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize to all the game masters for this next one. I greatly apologize, but you know it had to be done. So. Uh, James, how do you get a character's body stat to 15? What's the secret at character creation? Uh, character creation? Or in general, is there even a way to do it past character creation? Uh, what, what is your question? Body stat to 15 at character creation or body stat to 15? In general, I don't even sure. know how to do it. I know it's linear frame is probably one of it, right? You get to 12. Uh, I, so you get the... Um, you don't get the sigma. You get the... Um, the one after the you get the good linear frame and then you have a tech upgraded ah that's what it is so the good one is is it 12 or is it 14 the best one currently in the core book yeah well of course not the one that i secretly saw i haven't seen anything i'm just bullshitting (laughs) but um okay so that's what it is so it's a tech upgrade see people you're sleeping on the tech people i mean it's there because I we made a whole class that is basically do whatever you want within these rules, play around with the rules. So we had to make sure there's some tables where there are extra entries that maybe you can't reach by raw, but the tech is kind of by raw. Yeah. When you think about it that way, I've designed everything around the tech to make sure that the tech would be awesome and fun and versatile and feel like they were breaking the game, but they wouldn't. Yeah, it's my favorite uh, role for you sure. You feel that way. It's my favorite role because of the open-endedness of how creative you can be with the tech and and everything, the field expertise, the upgrade, I, everything. I used to make I used to make homebrew. The tech is a love letter to homebrew, so go do you. That's awesome. Uh, okay, the next one, I'll skip that one because it's really open-ended. Uh, designing fair combat encounters. There's so many things to take into account. I don't think didn't we would we, cover didn't it. Didn't we do an awesome? Didn't we have an awesome talk the other day, John? John, on a panel about this. Yes, exactly. Why don't, you, why don't you link that in the comics? Send them over there. Yeah, make sure you guys see that one. Uh, I did it with uh, some of my favorite people at Gary Con. At Gary Con, yes. I believe for half of it, my internet cut out, and I don't have <laughs> my beautiful face. It's all good, man. Okay, let's talk about uh, 1d6 and 2d6 weapons. What are the benefits behind them? As uh, I don't really see any of my players taking them. What can you tell us about uh, what we're sleeping on as far as a tactical or whatever with it? So 1d6 weapons, you're talking about melee weapons. I don't believe we even have 1d6 ranged weapons. No, no, you don't. It's a oh. light melee weapons are 1d6 and then uh, light pistols are 2d6 okay so let's talk about those both two both separately for light melee weapons they can get poisoned um they can accept other damage so there are poisons that you can put on them and those poisons are specific to only light melee weapons so maybe the damage number is something you're getting caught up on um so get those poise vials of poison get those vials of biotoxin and then they're not 1d6 weapons However, if you have a knife and there wasn't rules for stabbing somebody with a normal knife, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Um, also, 
they're concealable right out of the bat. So that's the role they fill. They fill the boot knife role. Um, but uh, if you're a, if you're a real bastard, you can do the boot knife covered in biotoxin. Oof, that's nuts. Um, oof, oof, indeed. Also, they're very cheap. Additionally, and the last thing is, they exist as a way to do. There's this the improvised weapon rule mm-hmm. in the game needs weapons of all sizes because somebody might say, "I pick up this water bottle and I beat him with it." If this water bottle had spikes in it. <laughs> I don't have anything near me that has a blade on it anymore. Come on, dude. <laughs> what <are you> get? <laughs> um, anymore. Oh, I just got that anymore. <laughs> uh, medium melee weapons. Right? These are the next light melee, medium melee. Uh, Sorry. The medium next melee. one is medium range weapons. Yeah, exactly. 2D6 right? That's pistols. What we're talking about. Yeah. 2D6 range weapons. Yeah. Um, so these ones are innately concealable. They're two ROF, um, and uh, I believe uh, that these ones are basically for like purse guns. Um, this is a mini Derringer. Uh, guns exist in small calibers. There's been sort of an arms race in Cyberpunk, um, and. Uh, it's left some lower caliber guns out of the the races. If you're trying to cause the maximum amount of damage with a one-handed firearm, you're not going to pick these guns. These guns are good for their concealability uh, and use with the handgun skill. Um, they're not use useful for shooting at armored targets. You're not meant to do that with yeah. these guns. Um, they're useful for like cocktail parties. Um. Melee uh, is a lot more is a lot privileged more privileged in a stealth scenario um, because all these melee tools, all these stealth tools, they privilege um, melee because it kind of makes you a spy. Um, the little gun, uh, you know, James Bond had a little gun. Um, it was still a little gun. Um, Shout and, out to the PP Seven. Uh, you can still. It's exactly the case. Uh, I don't think people are going to take this one for damage. I think they're going to take it for story moments. Or you could give it to some uh, mooks. And uh, specifically in situations where, you know, maybe people are on a beach. People are uh, not very well armored. It exists there as a mechanical... It has a mechanical use. Its mechanical use may not be for your player character that wants their big iron. Yeah, you got to take into uh-huh. account all kinds of scenarios, right? Okay. Not just like me going up against a bunch of boosters okay. and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't. It would be kind of um, it'd be kind of weird if we didn't have guns that weren't very good because that exists, and we do inherit a legacy of simulation from 2020 um, that says, "I got to give the GM a tool for everything." Yeah, um, this tool is not for players except for very specific cool story moments. But I think that when you write that, when you're at that moment for the medium handgun, it's going to be a cool moment. And then somebody else is going to pull out an SMG that's equally concealable and say, ha ha, you thought auto fire was a bad two cost skill. <laughs> you went on John John's podcast and you called it underpowered. Ha ha ha. Oh man. Okay, sounds good. All right, then this... you'll uh, laugh like Mandark from Dexter's Laboratory. You'll definitely laugh when you the two d six weapon you rolls two sixes. Then you'll be like, "Hey, not so bad after all, huh, buddy?" With your collapsed lung. Yeah. <laughs> twelve, twelve, twelve. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, last one. Uh, last question we're gonna be asking is a big one. Uh, martial arts special moves. Can you give us insight in the design on how they work? And can uh, I'll ask the other ones after. But uh, yeah, basically martial arts special moves. If for those of you that don't know exactly how it works, they all you take a martial art, you specialize in it, and then within that martial art, you get a special ability that has a prerequisite. Something has to have happened uh, for you to be able to do this trigger. So can you t- give us a little bit of insight on that? 
So martial arts, uh, first off, you can take multiple martial arts. I, I hear people saying that you can only take one martial art. Nope, you can take multiple martial arts, but you got to learn them all separately. This is another one of those two-cost skills. So this is an expensive, powerful tool. Uh, martial arts is very strong. Um, if you get in that right range, you can collapse people's lungs, break people's ribs, crack their skull. You can do Mortal Kombat stuff to people. Um, it's sort of uh, it's a it's a way for you to feel extremely strong as a melee character, um, and uh, you know invest and get rewarded for it. Yeah. Um, in a specific, very specific kind of combat. I believe earlier in this video we've talked about all the ways to shut down this play style as well. Um, but a lot of it is tactical. Um, but if you're being stealthy, you're even better. Um, they're built, they were built as an interlocking system, meaning I designed martial arts to fight martial arts, um, mm. which is exactly how martial arts was designed to fight martial arts. Uh, what about I the, uh, what about the, one of the questions people asked are, can I use martial arts for brawling, for grappling instead of using just brawling? No, no, you have to use brawling. Okay. Um, in fact, there are martial arts uh, moves that require you to have used two different martial arts is like there's there are a lot of different styles. I wanted it to add a lot of variability to melee characters, different types of melee characters you can play like a melee character that wants to take judo is different than a melee character that wants to take taekwondo. Um, if you want to take karate and you take melee weapon, you can do that cool like. I have a melee weapon, but I'm also using karate. Mm. Um, I forget the name of it, and I don't want to attempt to pronounce things wrong. Akimbo? It's very cool. Akimbo? That just means two. Yeah, you're Only right. two things? I thought uh, that was... Yeah, you're right. I don't know what it's called either. I just guessed. Are you saying Aikido? No, not Aikido. I, I thought Akimbo was like... both. You got that too. Both hands are different weapons or something like that. Whatever it is. I throw up my hands. I throw up my hands. I remember Akimbo shotguns. That's the last thing I remember from Akimbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly That was what a good I think time. you're right. <laughs> and if you can't have fun playing with Akimbo shotguns in Modern Warfare, I forget. Yeah. Maybe you just can't have fun. Yeah, come on. Live um, a little. Live a little, exactly. Um, so it's designed as an interlocking system. Um, you can take multiple martial arts, but you have to take them each independently of each other, meaning you're spending a lot of points. Yeah, yeah. They're both time. They're going to be all times two skills. So, yeah. Which So for... maybe you can combine two. Maybe you can combine three. Yeah. Um, which is pretty hefty. Also... It's a hefty price because, uh, I mean, if you see some of these special moves, like the Iron Grip one, where you literally just can't get out of it, you have to do like a crazy... Uh, athletics feet to get out of it basically right the dv's like super high it just increases the pre-existing it, it just increases the amount that they're trying to get out of it by two but yeah. in a game that only has 10 numbers on a dice that's 20 percent. yeah that's a big deal if you i guarantee if you're taking iron grip you bought you bought into you bought into holding people there with your brawling yeah so yeah cool um, anyway uh, it gives uh Oh, you also get a shared special move, which is cool. Yeah. Um, the the recover from prone. Oh yeah, the uh, did, what do they call it? I don't even know if it's culturally appropriate. They call it a kip up. Or Chinese get up. I don't. I think that's what I've heard it in the past. I don't I've even heard kip up. It, that's probably right too. But it's the thing where you kick know. the feet up from the ground. I used to be able to do it. Now if I do it, yeah, I'll it's pop super, my knees. It's super cool. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of uh. There's so many like Asian influences in cyberpunk. Yeah. So we got, we had to have this system. Um, it was a very, it was a well-loved system from 2020. So I uh, spent a lot of time on it and I'm glad people enjoy it. Awesome. Um, yeah. How, how, how you do it is uh, up to you. I, I think it's pretty easy to understand how to do it. It's just a lot of text. But don't worry. You don't need all of the moves. Mm -hmm. You'll only need the moves, the two moves from your, from the school you want. And then the kip up, gotcha. Which gotcha. I think is called martial arts recovery. Yeah, I think that's, it, that's what a, it is. A, like a neutral term. Yeah, which is great, and it it conveys everything. All right, James, we just did uh, eighteen questions from the community. 
And I think that this covered a lot of ground when it comes to combat. Dude, I want to thank you so much for coming on and answering these questions for the community. Thank you for always being there, being available. I mean, not shying away from any of this. And uh, thanks for making my favorite game, man. Hey. I plan on continuing to do it. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) You're Uh, welcome, man. Uh, if you, of course and if you guys once again want to ask james any questions directly go to rtalsoriangames.com to their blog from the mayor's desk where he answers every question there's a google doc that uh, a google form that you just click on put in your question and he will get to it he loves doing it because he loves the community and uh, we greatly appreciate it anything else you want to say james before we go off uh, yeah, um, you should also, while you're on that website asking me a question, you should check out all the PDFs we've made and put up there for free DLCs because they're free and they're for you and they're our gift to you. So please receive it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want you a know, guide to I, converting I, guns from 2020, there's a PDF for that. Wait, wait. Give me a second. I want to speak directly to Mark Waters. Okay. Mark Waters, I know you haven't downloaded these free PDFs yet. These are for you. We made them for you. Go get them. Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Come on, dude. Mr. Waters. All right. Mr. Waters, come on. (laughs) All right. We're out here helping you, working for you, man. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for all the support and the love. Happy gaming. We'll see you guys on the next one. From James and I, we say thank you and goodbye.